and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths, and happy new year. Welcome to 2023. Did you have a good new year, Denise? I did, and I'm excited for this year coming up. I'm ready for new beginnings and new energy. Yeah, me too. I think we all are. Yes, we are in a Mercury retrograde, but that's set to end on the 19th, so we'll be just fine. I think having a Mercury retrograde right after the holidays isn't such a bad thing because it's a time that we can just kind of tuck in and reevaluate, which is really what you're supposed to do as the new year starts anyway, right? Right. So 2023 is going to be a seven year. So let's talk a minute about the energy of seven. Seven is called the number of the guru, the mystic, the spiritual seeker. And so all of us might feel this pull to really understand more of who we are and why we're here. I think also during a seven year, you start to evaluate everything you're investing your your time and energy in. So often during a, a seven year, we'll start to look at our friendships, our relationships and think, hmm, is this a two-way street? Usually we start to really find our spiritual tribe during a seven year. The number seven though, as a as a personality, like if you have seven in, in your birth date or name numerology, can often be seen as aloof or cold. And it's only because seven, they just like to be alone and they like to figure things out on their own. They're very, very independent and they recharge their batteries on their own, usually in nature. Seven energy is very connected to nature and in particular water. And so, you know, you might feel a pull this year to kind of go within a little bit more and figure things out on your own and not necessarily ask everyone around you. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think I should do this? Do you think I should make this decision? It's really more about learning to to stand on your own two feet and really rely on that still small voice within. I always feel like sevens are about exactly what you said, but the first pop that always comes into my mind is sevens are about going within, almost that seeking your own inner knowledge, your own inner clarity. And from everything you just described, I feel like, and I think we're ready for that right now. It's been a tumultuous stretch for the last several years. And it's time for a little bit of ease, grace, and deciding what do I really want for me in this coming year? Yeah, I agree. And seven's always been a magical, mystical number too. So we might see some more magic in our life this year, which is nice. You know, there's seven days in a week and seven colors in a rainbow and seven's mentioned in the Bible and many spiritual texts. It's the number of alchemy. So there might be a little bit of of mystical magic going on in our lives, which I think would be lovely. Oh, that sounds incredible. Bring that on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I know we do this every year, but just for new listeners, if you want to find out your personal year number, you add the your birthday month and your birthday day to the new year. So if you were born on January 1st, you would add one plus one plus two plus two plus three and reduce to a single digit. And I think last year we went over what each of the numbers mean. So you can look through our archives and find that. So there's the energy that the whole world is in right now, which is a seven, but then you find your personal year to discover what your unique energy imprint is going to be this year. 
So just for the hell of it. Well, never mind. I don't want to share my actual birth date on Well, you're you're going into a personal year of nine. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> you just happen to have that right off the top of your head. I love that. Well, that's interesting because my life path number is nine. My I have a lot of nines in my in my numerology. So that's interesting. Well, nine is called the garage sale year. It's a year to get rid of stuff that's no longer serving you, but it's also called the reward and recognition year. So as the last single digit, it represents, you know, the final stage in a cycle you've been going through. And so it's often a year where you'll reap the benefits from all the work you've put in through your personal year number one, too, all the way up to this year. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good thing. What what year are you going into? Five. Okay. Fives are good. Good solid number. No. Fives <laughs> fives are either good or bad. It's a very yes or no year. Do you know what I mean? Five is the number of change and adventure and travel, but it usually brings you some unexpected stuff. And I'll tell you, I don't want any more unexpected stuff. No, you've had a stretch. So Maybe we'll we'll just gear things through positive affirmations and mindset and prayer towards the good side of the five. Yes. Yes. After a five year comes a six year and you can read any numerology book, Denise, it'll say like, whoo, take a sigh of relief because you are now in your sixth year and that tumultuous five energy is behind you. And six is all about taking care of yourself and calming down and nurturing yourself. It just, it reminds me of the tower card in Tarot. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you get the star card, though. Calm after yes. the storm, heal, healing and grace. Yeah, so it's very, very similar energy. But I've had amazing things happen to me in personal five years and not so amazing things happen to me in five years, but they're always memorable. So it is fun when you figure out your personal year number. It's really fun to go back and see what were your previous years like when you went through that same numeric numerical energy then you can see patterns it's really interesting yes very cool so this is a seven year that we're all going to embrace and find our own inner knowing and light and step more fully into our power yes now research has shown that 50 percent of people break their new year's resolutions before january is over And by the summer, most of those resolutions are completely forgotten. Are you making resolutions? I don't usually make resolutions. I did it for years. And sometimes I think I just stuck with it out of being stubborn, to be honest with you. Um, But I, I just more so look at what do I want to empower in my life? What do I want to shift? What do I want to uh, what new goal do I want to set rather than not having the rigidity of it happen to be um, just those narrow parameters? Because it's kind of setting yourself up sometimes for some yeah. of us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's nice to just kind of say, what do I want my life to look like a year from now? And what changes and steps do I need to make to get there? Instead of being rigid, you know, I'm going to drink uh, five gallons of water a day or whatever it is, right. there, you know, or I'm going to go to the gym six days a week. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and pray on top of a mountain for an hour. <laughs> I think sometimes it's good to go into it is what do I need to release and not I don't need in my life anymore. Yeah. Maybe that's another way to, to go at it. But 
blending that with the seven year, I think this will be a great year for us all to find some peace. I do too. You know, whenever anyone would ask my dad what his New Year's resolutions were, he would always say, my resolution is not to make any resolutions and just to accept myself as I am. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's very good. Now, we do forget or ignore our resolutions statistically by the time summer comes around, but choosing a word of the year has much more success. And it's very different from a resolution. And we've talked about this on prior New Year's shows, but we think it it kind of deserves a little, a little reminder. Instead of a habit to break or trying to, you know, create willpower that involves tremendous change that resolutions often in, invite, choosing a word of the year is a way to almost magically invite the universe to gently help you and remind you to stay on track with your overall goals and your soul's progress. So it's choosing a word of the year can help set the tone or the theme for your year. It allows you to give yourself some clarity and focus. And I think it's really fun to write this down, write down your word of the year and and really take some time in January, especially not only during this introspective seven year, but during this, this Mercury retrograde to really start to ask yourself some questions to help you pick your word of the year. Like, what do you want more of in your life in 2023? What do you want less of? Like you were just saying, Denise, what do you want to let go of? How do you want to feel throughout the year? What, which do you want more? Do you want to attract something this year or do you want to let go of something this year? Often just kind of meditating on those questions can help you choose your word of the year. How do you choose yours? Well, <laughs> since we've been doing this show, we always do a word of the year. And I have to be honest that I don't usually remember or do anything with my words. So when I was thinking about this for this show, I thought, what word would really resonate that I would want to implement it into my daily life and have it become practice or have it become ritual or routine or and that changes the whole dynamic of the way I looked at it because I I think what got in my head a little bit about it is once you said well be careful we were talking about the word of the year and you said you know it can come in as a double-edged sword so you may ask for uh, balance but then have all these things come in to test your balance So I had that in the back of my mind as well. So I think asking yourself the questions of, and and maybe it's as basic as how do I want to improve my quality of life or my relationship with myself, or it it doesn't, I, I feel like it's a very personal thing for growth and development. Yeah, I do too. And I think sometimes there are years where I am, exactly like you, Denise, most years where I I choose a word of the year and then I don't do a lot with it. But something else I've recognized about myself is I will often kind of unknowingly choose two words. There's like my outer word and my inner word. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it was either, I think it was 2022. I'd have to look in my journals where I chose easy but I kept thinking about success. I was like, I really just want success this year. You know, just, just that feeling of, oh, I've accomplished this. But I was like, no, that takes a lot of work. I'd rather go with easy. And yet the year kind of showed me more how to work towards success. It, you know, it wasn't necessarily an easy year. It was more about working towards that idea of success. 
And so, so I think sometimes your soul knows what the word should be. And, and that's what you actually end up manifesting. So on the other side of it, did it lead you to the success aspect coming more easily moving forward? I think so. And I think it also made me figure out what success means to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not about accomplishment or achievement. It's about that inner that inner authenticity of knowing you're doing what, what you need to do. Right. You know, I agree with you're that doing entirely. what you need to do to, to make yourself a, a happy, fulfilling being on this earth. That blends in beautifully with your, the poem you were going to read. Oh yeah. I want to talk about that. Um, but before I get to that, I just wanted to give one more suggestion. If people are like, well, I don't, there's so many words I could choose. I mm-hmm. mean, I wrote down some, that a lot of people tend to choose intentional, purposeful, intimacy, faith, patience, romance, focus, trust, passion, brave. I'd be afraid to choose that one. <laughs> How's that for ironic? <laughs> <laughs> Confident, fearless, authentic, joyful, creative. So if you're like, I don't know what word I want to choose. What you can do is take a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. And on the left-hand side, write down everything you want to let go of in your life. What are things you're just ready to let? It could be your job. It could be um, certain aspects of relationships. It could be habits. Anything you want, just be gone from your life. On the other side of the paper, write down things, situations, and circumstances that you want to invite into your life. And then really spend some time thinking about these two lists. How do they make you feel? Which one feels the most important? Which one do you really feel a desire to commit your year to focusing on? And often that can help you choose your word. Once you choose your word of the year, you want to write it down. You can draw it. You can put it in your journal. You can put it on a sticky and, and put it on your bathroom mirror or in on your kitchen refrigerator, your computer at work. You can make it your screensaver. And throughout the year, when you're about to make a decision, ask yourself, does this decision align with my word of the year? Now, the poem I was talking about and you were referring to before, I have not chosen my word of the year yet. I'm still I'm still debating between two once again. But my my cousin on Facebook shared this over the holidays and I think it's really well known and I had never heard of it. You know, sometimes when you tell people like, I read the neatest thing and they're like, yeah, that's like a really common story. This might be one of those for for listeners, but it was new to me. So I'm going to share it with you all. Um, It was written and published by Kurt Vonnegut and The New Yorker. It's called Joe Heller. And it's about the author of, you know, the famous novel Catch-22. And the poem describes a party that Heller and Vonnegut attended at a billionaire's house. And it goes like this. Joseph Heller, an important and funny writer now dead, and I were at a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island. I said, Joe, how does it make you feel to know that our host only yesterday may have made more money than your novel Catch-22 has earned in its entire history? And Joe said, I've got something he can never have. And I said, what on earth could that be, Joe? And Joe said, the knowledge that I've got enough. That I love just that. Really resonated with me because I thought that would be a good word of the year because, you know, the word enough can have lots of different meanings. It can mean either having as much as you need, or it can be used to indicate that 
You're unwilling to tolerate any more of something undesirable. So the word can remind you that you are enough, that you have enough, or maybe that you've had enough and are ready to set some firm boundaries. Right. That's a big one. That's a real big one because it's what a lot of people are questioning right now. How much is enough money, enough time, enough work, enough energy, enough, you know, that's a, a really, really strong concept for a lot of people right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's something we all need to think about. You know, what is enough for us? When will you hit that that max where you say, oh, this is enough? What is that for you? I think it's going to be different for everyone. And you have to figure out, I think, in life what your enough is. And I don't mean that just in terms of money. I mean that in in terms of things you're willing or not willing to put up with as well. And not only from other people, I mean from our own selves. Yes, 100% yes on that. And it's very poignant because once you start setting those boundaries about what is or isn't enough, that's going to cause a ripple and an impact into a lot of different areas of your life. Yeah, I think choosing this word could be a double-edged sword, right? It could, it could, but it's also a great word to just think about because, and and if you do make it about money, resources, finances, that's so subjective. So what you just said about, you know, it's it's an individual thing of if you grew up in a place of where you had to be really frugal or you may not have had as many resources, your expression and thoughts of what true abundance would be would be very different than someone who grew up never knowing that experience. So I I love this this concept because it's it's individual and yet collective. Yeah. And I think getting to the roots of why you might not feel like you're enough or you might feel that you're not working enough or achieving enough or whatever it might be, I think that's a first place to start. You know, why do I feel this way? Why don't I feel that I'm enough? Why don't I feel that I make enough money? And start to look at what was I taught as a kid? What what has my culture taught me? What am, what am I telling myself? What are What expectations am I placing on myself that I feel I'm not hitting? I think those are all really important to think about. Very much so. And also to decide how you want to spend the the resources of your time and your energy as well, because that's what it really comes down to. Is my life bringing me joy and purpose and direction, or am I just getting on a treadmill and I am not advocating for not being a responsible person or taking care of of people in your life that are depending on you or, or any of those things. But I think on a personal level, you're the only one that can decide if if what you're doing and how you're doing it is fulfilling your path. Yeah, exactly. I read this article that was like eight questions you should ask yourself as you reflect on the new year. And one of them was, if you knew this was your last year on earth, what would you do differently? And I kind of love and hate those questions, you know, because Answering those does put things into perspective, like, oh, this is what's important to me, not answering that text or email or, you know, hopping on that plane or um, agreeing to meet with that client or what what have you. 
but also it frustrates me because you still have stuff that you have to do, right? Like you still have to, I still have to walk the dogs and and clean up their business and pay the bills and all of that. Do you know what I mean? Right. But I think it's good to reflect on those types of big universal questions so that we can kind of redirect our course and pause and take a moment to say, you know, is this, is this enough for me? Do I want more? Do I need more? There's a big difference, I think, between those two questions. And being okay with that too, whatever the answers are, to be honest with yourself. Right. Because you if, know, you, I, if, if you can't look yourself in the mirror, then that's a big, that's a good starting off point is wanting to see that reflection back that feels real and true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. I have another story about enough. Can I read it? Oh, it's sure. A little, it's a little folklore. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a businessman who was sitting on the beach in a small village. As he sat taking a brief break from the stress of his daily schedule, he saw a fisherman rowing a small boat back into the harbor. In the boat were a few large fish. Impressed, the businessman asked the fisherman, how long does it take you to catch so many fish? And he said, oh, not so long. The businessman was confused. Well, why don't you fish for longer then to catch even more? More, said the fisherman, this is enough to feed my entire family and even offer some to my neighbors. So what do you do for the rest of your day? Asked the businessman. The fisherman said, well, I've usually caught my fish by late morning, at which point I go home, kiss my wife and play with my kids. In the afternoon, I take a nap and read. And in the evening, I go to the village and have a drink with my friends, play guitar, sing and dance into the night. Putting his entrepreneurial hat on, the businessman offered a suggestion. I have a PhD in business. I can help you become more successful. From now on, you should spend longer at sea and catch as many fish as possible. When you've saved enough money, buy a bigger boat to catch even more fish. From there, you'll soon be able to buy more boats, set up your own company, build a production plant to can, to can the fish and control distribution and move to the city to control your other branches. To this, the fisherman asked, and after that? The businessman laughed. After that, you'll be able to live like a king, take your company public, float your shares, and be rich. And after that, asked the fisherman once again, well, after that, you can retire, move to a house by the sea, wake up early in the morning to go fishing, and then return home to play with your kids, kiss your wife, take a nap in the afternoon, and join your friends in the village to drink, play guitar, and dance into the night. Puzzled, the fisherman replied, isn't that what I'm doing already? <laughs> isn't that a good story it really is it, it's a very good story and it's it really makes you start to think about this because yes we can say what's enough for me am I making enough doing enough trying enough providing enough all of the the enoughs but there's also getting bombarded with everybody else's expectations or needs or around you. So there's a, a singularity to this, but it's hard to hold that complete autonomy because it is interdependent on the other aspects of your life and the other people in your life. Yeah, it is. But I think if we answer that question within our heart, even if our outer life at the time can't respond to it, right? Like, let's say, let's say your heart is like working four hours a day is enough for you. And your bank account is saying, no, it ain't lady. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 
that's okay. Keeping that in your heart is enough to start to shift some change. I know in my own life, when I've had a goal and 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 I look at that goal and I think, well, there's no way I can accomplish this right now because there's this, this, and this in the way first. I, I've learned not to worry about that. Just having that goal and knowing that's important to me is enough to start. It, it's like magic. Things will just start to shift in my life to make way for that goal to manifest. Now, it might not be that year, but it tends to happen very soon after that. And so right. I think it's important just to just to know in your heart what what is enough for me. And not worry about the judgment that it's not okay for that enough to be your enough. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's something I try so hard to teach my kids. And and they will ask me all the time, "Mom, how did you choose to become a teacher?" And I was like, "Well, I I just loved the subjects and I wanted to share it. And, and I loved the idea of passing on and, and like, no, 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 no. How did you choose to be a teacher knowing they make no money? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, girls, have I taught you nothing? Money is not the answer to, you know, 90% of life. I mean, yeah, it's the answer to a lot of things, but not everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to to our best to impart that to future generations. Clearly I have failed, but but I did try and I always I always made choices in my life that were not about the money, mm-hmm. which, you know, I I think is important. It goes back to your story about the fisherman. He had exactly what he needed, what he wanted. He loved his quality of life, and I think that's what we're all looking for is it goes back to the enough. Do I have enough to have a quality of life that brings me peace and joy? That's fun. And for some people, that's going to be working umpteen hours and building up the numbers in the checking account. And that's okay. And that's okay. I have known so many people who do get a lot of pleasure from work and building up a business. And I think that's wonderful and more power to you. I think I think that's what makes America go around, right? But I've also known so many people who have worked 60 plus hours a week for a company that could care less about them. And then they retire and get an illness and die. And right. I don't think that's the answer either. So I, I just think it's something you have to look at and think, you know, is this job enough for me? Is this relationship enough for me? Is the way I talk to myself enough for me? All of those deep soul seeking questions about that word enough, I think is a great way to start out the new year and especially a year of seven. Yes. And it doesn't have to be right away. That's, that's a beautiful, beautiful word to work with throughout the year and, and check in with yourself. Is this garden big enough? Am I spending enough time getting sunshine? Am I walking outside enough? Just really basic, basic things that don't have to uh, impinge on, on other aspects of your life or, cost you money or there's so many way directions. I I think that's a great word. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, again, I don't know if it should be like a word of the year, but I do think it's a good question to at least ponder and, and meditate on and, and really start to use it to kind of shape some of your, your decisions and the way you think about yourself and aspects going on in your life right now. I think that's important. Yeah. And and I'll tell you 
I think too, we know, we know when something is enough in our life. Can't you feel it? Like when you have too much of something, you can feel that when you don't have enough of something, you can, you can feel that. True. And it is a very personal decision and, and conversation to have with yourself. Someone may look at what you have or what you're doing or what you're going through and say, oh my goodness, they have this magical life and look, they have this fill in the blank of whatever that might look like to someone else. But if you're not feeling it from your own heart, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that you can always compare your life positively or negatively to someone else's always. So it gets you nowhere. And it's also going to impact your, your idea of enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. What two words are you considering? Well, I don't really even want to share it because it's, it's very, it's very confused right now. I have to really, I need like a day to just journal and, and write it down. I'm waiting for the sun to come out so I can just kind of walk the beach and think. Oh, that's good. I I do think whether you work with your word throughout the year or not, it does tend to set the theme for the year. So I, I take it, I take it very seriously. Well, I was thinking about this a lot since we, you know, we're going to record this episode. And I thought I've been working a lot on being present and not just the mindfulness of being present, but being present with the whole be here now. And sometimes I'll just write that in my journal, be period, here, period, now, period, just to try to redirect that energy to this moment in time instead of regurgitating the past or worrying about the future, which funny enough does kind of tie in with the enough thing as well, the enough theme. And then I thought, well, what word would encapsulate that? Because it means being, I guess, being present or presence, but it's more being mindful when you're eating and enjoying it and and tasting and savoring the food rather than just, oh, I've got to eat something quick because I have to get back to work. Or if you're taking a walk, take the time to be present and and feel the air and feel the earth under your feet and listen to the birds. Or if you're, you know, visiting with people, not worrying about what's coming. Oh, did I take care? Did I take the laundry out? Did I make that call? But really being in the moment. So I don't know if the word for that would be presence or if it's just something to incorporate. I think that would be a good focus. It's kind of like the enough though. No, I love that. And I love the way you describe it. I think that's beautiful. You're going to have to dig out Ram Dass's book now. (laughs) (laughs) Pulls in everything. One thing I got thinking about the other day is, again, when life gets so fast paced, everything seems to accelerate in your life, even to how fast you're eating or you know, you're you're just always go, 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 go. And years ago, there was the whole thing on the slow food movement where you just savored food, you'd enjoyed it, you smelled it, you tasted it. And I think that's a a wonderful example of, of just enjoy your life and be present with it instead of that constant rat race and constantly, because it, it does, you know, when you were talking about the enough, I thought about, so many folks are are feeling this need to need to do it now. I don't want to waste any more time. There's that urgency. We've we've discussed this before, but maybe part of that is because we're not in the moment and we're not here where we are, and we're constantly 
being bombarded from all the other directions. Mm, That is so true. You know, about being present and letting go of the past, I read another story when I found the the fisherman story I shared before, and it was about this, this group of people who were just really complaining and whining and feeling kind of sad. So they went up to this funny man that always made everyone laugh and said, like, oh, make us feel better. And so he told them a joke and everybody laughed and they were like, tell us another. So he told the same joke and, you know, a couple of people laughed and they were like, tell us another. So he told the same joke again and no one laughed. And they kind of looked at him like, you're not being funny. You're just repeating the same joke. And he said, he said to them, why do you think that hearing the same joke should make you laugh over and over when you are constantly retelling yourself your same painful past and thinking it's going to make anything different as well? Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, I thought that was really, really funny because funny, interesting, not funny, haha, because it's true. Like we, we always want to feel better and better and better. And yet so many times we'll go over and over and over things in the past and wonder, you know, why isn't, why aren't we able to let this go? Well, maybe it's because you're just not letting it go and you're retelling it to yourself over and over and over again. Right. Which ties in with enough. (laughs) Yes. Enough. And, and maybe during this seven year, finding a gentler way to release some of that old grief or trauma or self-doubt or lack of self-recognition that we may have all have experienced at one point or another. Yes. Well said. It'll be interesting to see what words come to you on the beach. Yes. Yes. And if you all want to share your word of the year, you can post it on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. And don't forget, if you have a question or story you want to share, you can email it to us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our work, you can go to Denise's website, The Grateful Messenger, or mine, samanthafay.com. We wish you the happiest of new years. Thank you so much for coming back to join us week after week. If you like the show, please take a minute to rate and review us or tell a friend so we can grow our community of enlightened empaths. And as always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.